0: Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Safety and Health podcast, which is put together by SHP. My name's Mark Glover. Hopefully, you know me by now. I'm the editor of SHP, and today our episode is a, again a rather special one—one one we did about 12 months ago when we look to the incoming Irish president and the outgoing Irish president. to say i've got uh the former arch president lawrence webb who joins us and also the new president stuart hughes and we're gonna just yeah chat about what's the last 12 months and and look sort of horizon scanning as well so lawrence thanks for coming on we were just saying off mike that um it's gone so quickly
1: how how are you doing good to see you again oh wow yeah and and you mark yeah it's, it's great to be back again but yeah you're right as we were as we were chatting earlier time. Yeah definitely flies when you're you're having fun so uh, yeah just can't can't believe it to be honest but uh, it's all good.
0: Brilliant good good to have you here and look forward to just looking back a bit on, on the last
2: 12 months Um, and welcome to you as well Stuart how are you doing? I'm really good thank you very much Mark thank you for having us on the pod and yeah let me kind of step out of Lawrence's formidable shadow <laughs> but it's really nice to be able to join Lawrence on this and kind of I suppose talk to people about that passing of the baton and continuing the direction of travel and I hope we'll be able to convey this how well we've worked together over the last 12 months and continue to do so for the next 12 as well.
0: Thanks Stuart yeah so so Lawrence again I'll I'll, I'll start with you it is an end of an era how are you feeling you you officially handed over the baton just before Christmas as we recalled this at the beginning of January How, how did you find that was it was it emotional was that a fair question?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm okay, but yeah, it was emotional to be honest. Because I mean, you mm. throw so much of yourself into the role, and and you want to do, you know, your absolute best for every stakeholder that you've got, and it, it is a, an odd feeling to to then find yourself winding down and, and recalibrating relatively abruptly but I did prepare myself for this and <laughs> I know that I did my absolute best over the last two years as president-elect and and president um, as chair of council and also you know the work as a member of the presidential team with my, my colleagues and um, yeah myself and Stuart have got on so well and we've worked so closely together it really has helped formulate that smooth handover and I know that the next 12 months are in good hands and uh, hopefully members and other stakeholders have seen that transition and the handing over the, of the baton as Stuart said and, mm. and the themes have got a continuation and an association from my year and I always said that consistency in message and approach and what have you is really important so yeah I'm in a I'm in a good place but I'm looking forward to being there to to support the team again if they need yeah. me over the next 12 months.
0: Actually, Lawrence, I was going to ask you, you know, it's been the last two years, obviously pretty full on in terms of the responsibilities and just the, the general logistics, I guess, and the heavy lifting. Yeah. But um, interesting, you're in a good place now where you are you sort of stepping away, but still involved and you can sort of reflect, I guess, and be in a really good position to to offer help and advice and guidance. But in mm. with experience and a bit more clarity, I think that's something that that's also worth considering going into the next 12 months, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I've I've had this conversation with um, with Stuart, but also Kelly, who's now our president elect. Yeah. Um, and I've said, look, at the end of the day, it was never the Lawrence Webb show, and I know Stuart feels the same. It was it was never the Lawrence <laughs> Webb show. No, it's not the Stuart Hughes show. You know, but but yeah. the thing is, yeah, I do have that that experience, that knowledge, and understanding, but totally get the fact that that Stuart is his own is his own person. The fact that we get on so well and see the world in such a similar way is obviously helpful, but it's it's his time it's his opportunity and if if the help or the support is needed for him personally he's a mate of mine I'll absolutely be there but I'm still a very much full-time member of of, of council uh, and also the presidential team but um sure. when you add us all together between us we've got some incredible experience as a whole I've just been fortunate enough to be able to say that I, I can now add the last two years into my cadre so um yeah it's been ah. great
0: Excellent, good, good stuff. And now, listen. There's probably too many to cherry-pick, but and it is a huge question. But is there a proudest moment, or have you got one or two moments where you're like, "Yeah, that that sort of ticked all the
1: boxes with that
0: that achievement"?
1: You're right. There are so many. Honestly, every hmm. every day, I used to yeah. step back and go, "Wow, I can't believe that." You know, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of that. But I I do think that the handover between myself and Louise Hosking, the previous president Mm. that was a special moment because you stand there and you realize that this has become real and you fully appreciate just who and what needs your leadership your direction and your support and at that particular event my parents were there there were some friends and colleagues and obviously I looked around the room generally at who was there and I was just in awe (laughs) <laughs> uh, of the fact that I was in amongst all of this this incredible talent and I felt really proud and, and honoured at that position but also I think at the end as well when myself and Stuart we, we hosted our last council meeting last November yeah. and yeah. we presented a summary and an infographic presentation on everything that we'd achieved as council as a presidential team together over the last 12 months and that was amazing to see just how much we'd achieved together and that that made me feel absolutely fantastic because I was very much a part of it okay leading and directing at certain times but we did that together and there was a lot to shout about so yeah I was really Great. proud then as well
0: fantastic I guess when you've got something yes yeah, so you can see something physical with tangible and you can actually say yeah that's that's what we've done because you know, just keep alluding back to it it's a whirlwind isn't it the last two years yeah, or, or sure. so and it sort of does take and just to step back and go flipping heck we did do some good, good stuff there um, and I wonder actually like going forward for yourself personally, Lawrence, is this something you're sort of taking on for your own sort of, um, you can sort of absorb what, what you've done and then take it on, because I'm not, not to say it's a bit of a come down, but it is sort of like, it's it's going to be a bit different and stuff, but you must have drawn a lot for that personally and for, for your own, for your own yeah. self
1: yeah absolutely I think anyone who goes into this role thinking that they know everything or they've already got everything that's needed I, I think is in for a bit of a shock because yeah. every day is a, is a school day and that's always been the same for me forever but yeah. one thing I, I I did say to council during that same meeting in November I'd and, and I was open and honest and again it was quite an emotional thing because I did say look I know that not only am I a better professional but I'm actually a better person for the experience and all the people I've met and all the things that I've been fortunate enough to be at the front end of uh, you know that the things that I've learned along the way the people that I've had the pleasure to come across whether that's you know been members or it's been people across the world literally across the world in government positions or in different steering groups mm. or whatever it might be I just know that my world is is just so much better for, for actually having that that opportunity and I'm absolutely taking all of that forward in what I'm doing in a, in a new role that I've now got in an organization where I've already found that a lot of what I've 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 said and I've done and I've learned and I've experienced from lots of different people and scenarios. It's all been incredibly useful, and I, I'm happier for that. I think. Good stuff.
0: I have to ask it, but there must have been challenging moments, as you know, it's no cakewalk, <laughs> is it?
1: Yeah, it's not just a job, it's an adventure, right? So, yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. again, it is a, a challenge, but it's a really healthy challenge because it pushes you into areas where you're perhaps out of your comfort zone. It allows yeah. you to reside in areas that absolutely are your comfort zone. But I think really the, the most challenging aspect for me is still being in that room with that huge amount of talent and experience and positions wherever I was doing whatever I was doing and it's really hard hitting but you know that realization is the fact that you are the outward facing key focal point for our brilliant. Mm -hmm institution as president mm. and then also chair of, of council, which is a really important role to make sure the members uh, are being properly represented. And, th- and those peers rightly have got a high level of expectation. So reconciling that and the challenging nature of what it means to make sure that your impact is real, positive and and value-add is, is really important. And I think the other thing is being sensible in what you can achieve in that in that time period yes. and yeah. focusing on doing a few things really well, which is what myself and Stuart both believe in. i I added a lot of pressure onto myself because a lot of people still don't realize this is voluntary this is on top of a full time very busy day job absolutely so you know there is a lot to get your teeth into most definitely and i absolutely threw myself into it and just keeping that under control was a challenge for me because i'm just naturally really engaged and enthusiastic but um what an experience absolutely fantastic
0: It's interesting. I before ahead of this podcast, actually, I went back to listen to the one we did twelve months ago, and and uh-huh. it's interesting seeing without sounding too good, like how how much you have taken from it enthusiastically. Like one of the things you did sort of talk about was this sort of humble approach. You know, sort of going in and being like, this isn't the Lawrence Webb show or whatever. Just sort of stepping back and, and letting people do that, and and realizing that other people bring different different things, and and yeah, sort yeah. of affirming that again. Now that's obviously it was an important is an important part of
1: any sort of leadership, I guess, or any any sort of role that, 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 that you're in. Yeah, sure. I've, I've always believed that. And I, I always will. You know, you do things together. You play on people's strengths. The more people you can get engaged and involved, the, the better you will be. And of course, we had a big focus on neurodiversity as well. Yeah, I remember. Stuart, yeah. to make sure that, yeah. you know, there was that aspect of of, uh, of opportunity that people could tap into as well. And it's all part of the same ethos for me. So, yeah, we do stuff together. We're better together.
0: Stuart, I'll, I'll come over to you now, if that's all right. The new presidents here for IOSH and just to start off with a bit of a sort of human question really how did you feel when you were going to be the new president did you have an inkling can you sort of remember the moment you got how does it work do you get an
2: email yeah so I I think two main emotions probably one pleased because you've put some hard work into something and it's come to fruition and I think the second one is you're nervous like you know you I think you always ask yourself whether you've you know have you got the chops for it can you deliver all the things you want to do can you make a positive impact so you know I think that balance of uh, you know one of my friends asked me if I was proud and I said I'll, I'll answer that question in 12 months time once I've yeah. you know done something and um she told me off and said you know you should take this moment <laughs> to be to be proud of yeah. what's happened but yeah. yeah I mean you you go into council you're in front of 30 to 40 of your peers you you pitch yourself you do your presentation you dance on the floor whilst they fire challenging questions at you and then you leave the room and they vote and then you come back in and find out whether you've made it or not so it's um, a little bit intimidating but I think you know much as what what Lawrence has said there I think if you stand at the front and can pass what I call the red face test so you know you're being true to yourself you're doing it for the right reasons then you know you feel I suppose, at the end of it, when you know, please, that you've done a good job, really. Um, mm. And I think that's the most important bit. You know, this is I've, I've been talking about things in threes and everyone will get bored of it. But I'm a simple creature and threes work nicely. And it's the mm. role is all about delivering for the members, for the profession and ultimately for society. And that's what mm. I will keep parroting for the next 12 sure. months. That for me is the key focus. And, you know, I think that's what you will judge yourself on in 12 months time. Nicely put. And um, interesting you said,
0: yeah, obviously a sense of healthy nerves, I guess. I, th- I think we wouldn't be human, would we if we went straight. Oh, yeah, that was meant to be. And then, you know, it's not it's not going to work, is it? But uh, that's that sort of sense of, again, humbleness, I've used that word. But at the same time thinking, crikey, this is, it is big, as I was saying to Lawrence and when we discussed in the last podcast. But what, as you sort of look forward now, because you've, you've pretty much been in, you're in you're, you're sort of ready to go uh, have you like Lawrence said do you have any sort of key things you do want to you touched on a few but are there any key things that you want to hope to achieve during your tenure yeah I think you can
2: look quite foolish looking forwards, can't you because you never quite know what what's going to happen I think there's certainly some things that are really important to me so one is recognizing the value and impact that our volunteer network has so you know that's people that are in volunteering if you know to make the branches work to make the sector groups work they're in the future leaders steering committee our mentors our people on board committees peer review interviews nominations committee and council and pt all of those people Mm. we need to recognize for the value they bring to iosh and so that's really really important i think from a professional aspect i i really want to elevate the conversation of health in health and safety I'm not necessarily a numbers man, but if you look at the numbers, uh, we harm far more people through causing ill health than we do through accidents. Not to say that that's not important, because it is, but I think that we really need to elevate that health element of the conversation. And then I'm driving a series on iOsh's podcast, if I'm allowed to mention that, um, where I'll be interviewing a series of CEOs to talk to leadership of organisations and really help our members understand the needs of the people at the top of the organisation and help us to get our messages up there and drive traction and what it is that we're, we're trying to achieve. And then I think from a societal element, I'd really love to help society understand the value of the profession and, and what it is that we do to enable you know work and workplaces to function. But also, OSHA is a fundamental human right. That's a really key Element that I think we should be championing to make that global improvement to to the global workforce in terms of standards and conditions. So, they're three fairly broad things. So that you know they strategic aligned with activate 2028 which is iosh's yes. new strategy and they've done so deliberately so that things that i begin in my tenure can continue for others to take up much in the same way lawrence and myself have you know, done that with some of the themes that he was focused on last year and will continue in my tenure so that kind of nice yeah. traction along is good i think in the past members might have felt there was some zigging and zagging between presidents and what was the focus and what wasn't and we've tried to eliminate that by making sure that we're strategically aligned you know and that that seems like a sensible approach to me pick
0: up on one of the things you said which i find really interesting is this um, uh, communication with ceos and you know people at the top but i think that's a terrific idea to because more often than not, CEOs aren't health and safety people, are they? They're bottom line thinking people and they and they want to just know what's the financial implication here. It's, but it's difficult to sort of communicate, I guess, with CEOs sometimes. It's a different skill set. And it, is that something you're hopefully these podcasts will draw out in, in terms of finding out what
2: these people are thinking, I guess? I'll tell you what led me to it. There's a trope on LinkedIn quite often that says the people <laughs> at the top of the organisation don't care about the people at the bottom of the organization and I'm not sure that that's true so I want to explore that with this with with CEOs but what I think is really important and you've you've touched on it there we as a profession we don't always speak to the people at the top of the organizations and there's a bit of a clamor for a seat at the table Mm. and my view on the world and I am One man with an opinion, but you don't necessarily need a seat at the table. You need to have the right mechanisms for your messages to get to the people that are sat around the table. So actually, if we can hear from those at the top of the organisation as to in an ideal world, what do they want from their safety professionals? What is it they get currently today? What's the gap? How do we help close the gap? And how do we make the information more pertinent, relevant, and useful for them to act upon to align what we're trying to achieve through safety and what they're trying to achieve in terms of the overarching business and organizational aims and and KPIs and all of that kind of good stuff? And I think if you can get those two things aligned, then actually, what we're really doing is we're showing safety as an enabler. We're showing that we understand how to talk the corporate language that needs to be understood and actually we're helping people make more effective decisions which ultimately should improve the workplace conditions for those people that are on the ground floor that sometimes might have the opinion that the people at the top don't care about them personally in the as
0: you go forward into your tenure there will be challenges and um, you as a person
2: what's your approach to when these challenges inevitably will come up I don't really worry about things that are outside of my control I read quite a lot of I suppose stoic philosophy and sure. that's yeah. kind of quite helpful in terms of just rationalizing what you can and can't control I also I love a challenge so you know, I really love yeah. just going right okay what have we got in front of us what's the obstacle and how do we best approach to to kind of either you know overcoming it or getting around it or dealing with it and I think that's probably the best way of approaching it and then um, Rory Sutherland says a really interesting thing and he kind of questions what's the what's the opposite of a good idea? And, you know, his response to that is actually it could be an even better idea. So I really like the idea of, you know, yeah. we've got a challenge. Oh, we've got a good idea. Well, let's challenge ourselves to see if we can make an even better idea. And yes. I think that's really the approach to it, isn't it? Like, you know, any journey involves the first step and then steps after that. There's no straight route anywhere. And yeah. you don't know what you're going to get. We've, you know, I've sat on the presidential team for the last five years you know and we've gone through a pandemic wasn't it in anybody's plan so we had to deal with that we had to adapt we had to overcome as lots of people listening to this will be all Mm. too familiar with and that's why for me there's no point having a plan because you don't know what's coming so I would much rather have a strategy that outlines what it is we're trying to achieve where we'd like to go that gives you the room to I suppose deal with those challenges and obstacles as they come and and get Mm. past them and 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 that's it really I don't think it's groundbreaking in it by any stretch of the imagination but I think it's um yeah just you know know which course you're up you're headed know the direction of travel and appreciate that you know you might have to do a detour or two to ultimately get there and I guess as well, um, in terms of
0: um, resources, you, Lawrence, who we've got on the other line, you're going to be sort of tapping into Lawrence's knowledge as well as as the year go on and you, you as the year goes on and you guys work together. That's invaluable, isn't it? Having a, someone you you've already alluded to, you get on with as a mate and stuff, but
2: having someone who's sort of walked the walk as well. It's critical. Like with the one of the values of you know a close knit presidential team is that you're all working towards the same ambitions for the benefit of the membership and for the benefit of of the profession and being able to have candid conversations with people that have you know trodden the path before you and cleared away and dealt with some of the challenges is, is is really important but it's also helping to bring other people along that that journey as well and I think we've like both Lawrence and myself you know we've tried to be As transparent as possible. We've tried to actively communicate with the membership as frequently as we can, not because it's about us, but because we want to convey all of the hard work that goes on through IOSH, through its work with its tier one partners, Mm -hmm. through the strong efforts of the membership and the work that they're doing for the rest of the membership. We really want to actively promote that and communicate it because. I think sometimes with a membership body organisation, it's all too easy to to pay your fees, get your magazine, and and you think that's it, really. And what I found is the, the more engaged and involved I've got with IOSH and the more I've been determined to, to I suppose, give back, I've learned far more about the endeavours of, of, of IOSH as a whole, what they're trying to achieve, how they're making that happen, where they've got you know influence, but also been astounded by the capability, knowledge, and expertise within the membership. I mean, I go to some of these sector group meetings, and like literally, I feel like the stupidest person in the room. I genuinely sit there and go, Crumbs, these people know so much about their industry, what they're working for, and the dissemination of their knowledge out to the wider membership and, and even out broader than that to people that aren't members of IOSH that's phenomenal and I think if you've learned something I genuinely believe you've got an obligation to share it and those people that are doing it they need that recognition because it's like it's night and day different to when I joined the profession and you kind of just rocked up and there was a whole group of people that knew each other and they didn't want to talk to you and nobody wanted to help and share stuff and everything else and that change is so good and the vibrancy and the community at the future leaders is fantastic and then you know the value of of those that have got that little bit more experience and the the mentoring that they're delivering like Mm -hmm. you'd pay a lot of money if you were buying that service right and it's all wrapped up into your membership and i think it's Mm -hmm. a snip so and i'm sure for some people it's expensive and i'm not going to try and you know everybody's in their own boat with those circumstances but i think in terms of true value what other members do with the broader membership is phenomenal sure I remember saying this last year one of the skills you've got is basically to
0: be able to sit back and see what skills other people have and then be able to bring that forward and utilize it and also again and, and and I do like the word, just sort of being humble, as you kind of said. Blimey, they know a lot of stuff. I felt like the most stupid person. And but it's being able to sort of just distribute that, isn't it? And giving their voices and being a conduit for that is that something you're trying to sort of weave in as well to your to your approach? Sounds like you are. Yeah,
2: I think it's really important to raise the profiles of the groups and the people within those those groups and branches that are doing this stuff. You know, there are there's people out there that you know they've got. 30 or 40 people to chartership through mentoring them you know and, and things like that and you go that's a real impact you know and you times that by 10 20 30 dedicated people and, and you're starting to see people's status within the profession elevate as a result of other people's work towards them and I think if you come in and mm-hmm. take this position I think you know everything you're in trouble and I yeah. you know I try and practice a beginner's mindset really I like to try and get back to basics, understand things as simply as possible, try and do things with the path of least resistance in mind so that things are as effective as possible. And I think that's probably one of the roles is to join the dots, is to help people connect with the things that they need to connect with to maximise the value of of their membership. And that's the strength of of the network, really. There's 50,000 members out there. They've all got their own experiences, expertise, um, viewpoints. and you know, helping people connect to learn from one another to make their lives easier and ultimately to improve the working conditions for the global workforce. I mean, who doesn't want a piece of that? Sure, sure, absolutely, Lawrence. Um, you've obviously been listening to Stuart
0: there and his his thoughts, and I was, I was wondering so how it takes takes you back to when we were like twelve months ago on on, on reflection, but also more specifically how uh, your relationship, how well you work with Louise during your tenure. I remember you, you guys were obviously had the planning to and stuff, but it is, now that it's now that's flipped a little bit. Is it you're in Louise's shoes? How how are you feeling as you go you go
1: into that? I think because of the way things have gone over the last couple of years, I'm quite I'm quite comfortable with it because I think what's really interesting about the role of president and and chair of council is is mixing it up and there's pros and cons, isn't there? Because a, a year is not long to do Mm -hmm. stuff so if you can focus on doing a few things really well and play to the best of your your personality as Stuart said absolutely 100% be true to yourself just be you and take that time to bring you to that role but also recognize that you're in amongst some incredible talents and get to know them and allow them to play to their strengths and have their opportunities going forward all that happens when you become immediate past president is you sort of do that looking looking the other way around and and you've got to know those people you've got to have the opportunity to help them hopefully be at their best and everyone learns something new whether that's from people who are fresher into their career and you take things from them or the other way around so Mm. I think now I'm I'm in a privileged position where I've been there, I've dealt with some absolutely fantastic staff, I've dealt with some challenges and I've done it in my way but being able to then step back and be available that if somebody thinks you're the right person to help them going forward you're still there willing and able i think that's um that's great so uh yeah Yeah. it's just a different perspective but Mm. i'll I'll be just as active as i can be but i don't want to tread on people's toes because i've been there and done that it's a supporting role and i'm I'm happy with that
0: listen i want i want to um guys get on to just a sort of couple of um questions around the, the sector i guess and um one of the uh, the big big topic is, as I said, well we, can, we spoke about this last year, Lawrence, around mental health and absences yeah. related to mental health, and we stats that come out every year. It it, it, um, it seems to be getting worse. And but I, I've, I've been thinking that on my own reflection the past twelve months or so, Lawrence, been thinking how we published an article actually on on SHP, and it was about five things that you should do to feel better and it was things like apples and yoga and things like that which can be I think a bit tokenistic and and to the point that's not really going to help someone if someone's struggling and apples not really you know it needs to hone in a bit more and I I wonder what you think if and I'll begin with you Lawrence and then get intrigued to get your thoughts as well. Stuart i wonder what you think about our approach to are we at something of a crossroads is it a bit too saturated with these sort of approaches it, it's not as crystal clear is it as accidents and you know of course uh, the yeah. safety side is important but
1: where are we at with it at the moment Lawrence do you think yeah it's um it's it's, in, it's interesting I mean Stuart well as any of your listeners will know absolutely right in terms of the fact that health has always been the bigger issue it's just that it's something that we didn't deal with or recognize particularly well and mm. it, you know it's like there's a, there's always a danger though isn't there with a new area of focus that there's this issue of longevity and what i refer to as silver ball syndrome where the next shiny things just come over the horizon everybody focuses on that and then forgets the silver ball they just put down to the side to go to the next thing but yeah, i yeah. think that this is something i mean i was talking about this 10 10 years ago yeah. and and uh, you know I, i'd recognized it within the the construction industry the tide was starting to turn yeah. and people were getting more confident and trustworthy of, of their colleagues and organizations to be able to put their hands up and say do you know what I'm not okay actually that for me was a was a massive moment where one of my colleagues a health and safety professional that works on my team said I want to be the person to stand up in front of 17 and a half thousand people and say I'm not all right uh, and mm. that for me just completely reset the line in the um, in, in the sand and it, this mm. is one of those areas that, that just mustn't go away it will never get done because we're all different our challenges change every single day and people are at the heart and soul of any organization business workplace and of course home lives so i think covid has come along at a time where it's really cemented the importance of well-being generally of which obviously, you know, mental health is a a, a fundamental aspect and people have changed. Their expectations have changed. The working environment's changed. And I think the smart organisations are in touch with all of this and the fact that those ones who invest in their people as being, you know, the the essential element to any organisation, they bring the personality, the behaviours, the difference, to the next organization down the road and how important it is that if they're not at their best your organization mm. can't be I think those organizations have switched on to this and worldwide the, mm. the, the patterns of investment actually show that this is the case you know that the smart money is in those organizations looking after their people so mm. we need a strategic approach that has longevity and is based on sound and accurate data but don't underestimate your people. They are your organisation. Do you think that that's the
0: construction's a really great example, isn't it? A sad example as well of, of the demographic that work there, and, and it's difficult to, to sort of sometimes communicate, let's be honest, with a perhaps a 20, 30 something lad uh, from a working class background. Let's be honest, you know, that that tend, tends to be the way. But so do you think it's more about other than going, here's a bacon, here's, here's an apple? It's genuinely trying to get people to go, I'm not okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and absolutely. Well, you do I mean change is is one of the most difficult things ever to manage, yeah. obviously, but so so are yeah. people to put the two things together. Yeah. But I think I think the I think the scary thing is that people's issues can come from any place at any time and affect anybody. Uh, you know, yeah. I've I've worked with with, with somebody um whose brother in law unbelievably mm. committed suicide and mm. and the, the whole family were just so gobsmacked because this is the yeah. one person who was reliable and solid and was always there for everyone else. And yeah. it sort of proves the point that you just don't know where this is going to come from. So you absolutely need to be in a position with your friends and your colleagues to know who they are, not intrude in their, their personal lives and mm. everything else, but be there as that solid person that anyone can lean on in the same way that you'd want that for anybody else. And how we get there is different different for everybody it's different for every organization but whatever you do if you haven't got to that stage yet start building those relationships and that trust because you Mm. never know it might be that person sitting next to you right now who could just do with you turning around and going you're right how you Mm. doing how's your day been and that is all sometimes it can take all the way through to the far end of the most in-depth conversations but we need to start getting on uh, and understanding ourselves as a society we really do
0: Stuart what's your thoughts on the topic a big one I know but where where do you feel we are at the moment in terms of mental health and well-being?
2: It is a big topic and I'm always cautious of of the statistics I think you can play the statistics to uh, make any tune you want and I think for me I think we should be looking at, at this from a holistic approach you know I don't think we need to break down across all of the different factions I think it's really important that holistically we look after people and help them to thrive in the workplace mm-hmm. so that both their physical and their mental health is is sustained 100%. and if not you know improved as a result of where they go to work and and the work that they undertake now I know that's quite lofty because there's very different levels of challenge across the globe and I think you know in some parts of the world people still don't have the basic equipment to keep themselves safe, mm-hmm. you know, when they don't have safety shoes on their feet, they don't have gloves to stop them, you know, being exposed to chemicals and they don't have dust masks and all, all of those kind of things. And and sometimes I think some of the mental health conversation has the potential to not really kind of have an awareness of, of perhaps the global picture, but in the same thread as that, I think it's really important that we've made this progress. I, for one, am like, I'm massively pleased it's something that we openly speak about now on a very personal level. It was something I i grew up with yeah. within my family, and we didn't have any, there was no conversation on it because it just wasn't something that was spoken about. And then as time has progressed, it's become a lot easier to talk about and, and become part of the kind of, I suppose, the public lexicon. And I think that is really, really important. But you know i think for me it's about how do we look at the root causes how do we look at the societal issues that, that are causing this it isn't just you know a workplace issue um there's some, some amazing things out there i think the 1 million lives campaign um, yeah. that jacob started yeah. is a yeah. phenomenal thing um and i think actually like taking the time to understand the demographics of our workforce the impacts and providing mechanisms to help and support people is really, really important, and I think it is really, really valuable. I think we need to make sure that we're doing that in conjunction with protecting people, you know, at a very basic level from risk and from harm. But, you know, I think the conversations are are massively, massively important. I just think we need to make sure that when we weigh everything up on the scales, that we're, we're coming out at an equal and proportionate kind of response to all of these things because we're not little robots are we we don't suddenly just get to work not and yet. leave all our problems behind <laughs> but you know we're complex creatures you know there's all kinds of things that go on you've got absolutely no idea what's going on in somebody else's world and i think just as a species if we had more empathy I I often say this, I wonder if we called it the human experience rather than the human race. We might be a bit better towards each Mm. other instead of being so competitive. I think that's genuinely it. You know, I think Mm. if we can push ethics and leadership, if we can push this idea that actually the condition of the whole is really important. So let's look after all of the pieces that make up the whole. I think that that is really important and I think that bit should be across your physical health it should be across your mental health it should be allowing people to recover you know it should be not putting so much pressure onto people that that they can't thrive and they're just in survival mode or or they're worse than that and I think that's that's the obligation of leaders of organizations and I think the safety profession has a part to play is being a conduit in that and to help people understand how to raise issues how to talk about things how to have sensible conversations on the way that improvements could be made and I think we definitely need to move away from you know bowls of fruits and yoga Fridays yeah. and those kind of things we actually have to say well what is it that makes a systemic change to the condition of people in the workplace and like I say both physically and mentally.
0: Do you think it's, an, it's a debate on shp it has been for a while like where well-being and mental health sits in terms of a safety professional there's an argument that it's sh- it should be in within an hr bucket perhaps or it should should be somewhere completely different which i um you know i understand both both sides it's huge isn't it mental health it's something that perhaps people aren't trained for it could be a psychological thing it, it's very very complex we don't know someone's someone's mind and i just wondering your conversations Stuart and 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 also 100% agree. I think it anything shouldn't overtake the the working at height statistics that come out every year now we still got to focus as on on all areas but in your conversations is it are some people getting a bit tired with the mental health conversation which I guess I was sort of trying to touch on there is it like let's I'm not really ready for this yet let's do this or I need to know something else is do you think that
2: you get a bit of both, to be honest with you. I think I was at uh, the Global People Sustainability Summit and there was a, yeah, had a bit yeah. of a debate on this to talk about whether right. mental health was a uh, part of the safety professionals remit or not. And I think yeah. when anybody asks me a question like that, where does mental health sit? Where does wellbeing sit? You know, is it within our, our remit? I kind of go back to like things like fire, right? If you've got competence within fire and fire safety, you can probably help your organisation with its risk management around fire. Mm. If you don't, you go and get an expert who has the competency to help you. Now, I feel that that is exactly the same in... Mental health, yeah. and well-being and all the other bits. Right, we're smart enough as a profession to be able to signpost people. We're smart enough to have some basic understandings of how we have decent human conversations with people, show them empathy, show them support and care. But we are not the people to go around diagnosing people. We're not the people to go around saying, "I think you've got this," etc., mm. etc. That that can, cannot be the role. There are trained medical professionals who deal with those things, and I think there's a very if, you know, mental health's on a continuum and you know at one end of it you've got medical diagnosis and, and conditions yeah. and diseases and all the way up to being one of those annoying people who's euphorically happy every day and and, and everything else and somewhere yeah. in the middle is where most people sit and sometimes life, you slide yeah, down yeah. and you're a bit you know you might be stressed you might be anxious you might be those things and actually coping mechanisms and things that organizations can do to help people in that should definitely be there. And if I'm at the other end of that in an organization, I I don't care who's delivering it to me. I don't care if it's HR, if it's a specialist, if it's Mm. you know somebody within the safety team, etc. etc. As long as what they're giving me is useful, helpful, and I can work with. And I think that's the challenge for us as a profession is to is to stop the scope creep, is to understand where our expertise start and finish and to work in a much more collaborative way with all of the other players. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not an occupational hygienist I know enough about workplace exposure levels to say actually this doesn't look quite right I'm going to go and get an expert yeah. in to come and make some measurements and tell me whether I'm on the right track or not yeah and it's though you know it's the same thing isn't it with mental health or or you know like I wouldn't go to a safety person for my nutritional advice but it's probably quite important on the wellbeing agenda to know how to fuel yeah. myself for the long slogs of the days so I don't sure. think it's really about making sure we've got the right links into all of the other kind of players and yeah. stakeholders in, in the game. And I think whoever, I don't think it matters who drives that as a strategy. Yeah. I think you can put it in your, it goes in the people bucket, doesn't it? And people yeah, bucket, yeah. you know, is either owned by safety or influenced by safety and your organization will work out which way is best and you will either buy into it or you don't and yeah and yeah that's down to the individuals involved we started talking about robots and uh i'm only looking
0: forward to to next year and and stuff and Lawrence, i'll I'll come back to you like what do you think is going to be the um big sort of thing next year that you can see on the horizon? Are there robots and AI and and things like that starting to, is that going to be playing a big part or is there anything else that you
1: foresee? Well, strangely enough, actually, um, yeah, my um, AI algorithm uh, is foreseeing (laughs) the the growth of AI and and more algorithms, (laughs) actually. Um, No, I I think although it's not on the the horizon, it's very much here, that horizon Hmm. is constantly changing in front of us. And I think it's the speed with which it's changing and, and what we need to do as a profession to, to try to, to keep up and have the positive influence that, that we need and it, it's interesting that one of the last things I, I got to mm-hmm. do as president was actually talk about this at a conference and, and where, where AI is positioned and trying to sort of balance the clear opportunities and the fantastic things that will come with AI and our increasing um, developments in technology against the fact that on the other hand you Know, the other side of you saying yeah but this needs to be slowed down and regulated and let's just stop and think before mm. we roar off into into the distance thinking that everything's going to be rosy and where does our profession sort of sit in terms of having the right influence and the right involvement in the in the development not just to, to teach ourselves but for us to be able to have that that positive influence to get the best out of what I see as an opportunity absolutely mm. so it's not on the horizon it's already here but I think that key message that that horizon is changing at such a speed that what's mm. coming next somehow we need to make sure we're we're involved in those conversations so we can see it as, it as it comes towards us over the hill so for me that's a that's a biggie but very much an opportunity if used in the right way most definitely
0: well what do you well, again your experience Lawrence, like it, it's technology isn't it it's, it's an enabler but it's also it can be a difficult adoption for some people mm. particularly perhaps a uh, someone who's done something a particular way but what what's i mean i i, I know our profession is really forward thinking are, are people wary about it but like this could help with the, the admin side of things or this could just sort out a lot of my heavy lifting but you know obviously they're not gonna it's not gonna change everything but what what's right. the sort of when
1: general reaction to it yeah i mean the people i'm talking to are very much in one of of two camps i mean the, yeah. the people who are wary and slightly nervous are probably people who would like to know more and understand more about in reality what is this going to be it's not to going me, to be yeah. Skynet you know Terminator 2 all those sorts of <laughs> things which they're well I say they're not I mean that, you know that maybe that's yeah. something for a lot further down in the future but that's what they imagine whereas yeah. the other people have actually been there and experienced and seen some of the benefits I mean I've seen some great technologies as part of the um, different best practice groups I've been involved with like the safety tech accelerator and what have you where yeah. really good AI and really solid proven technology is great for eliminating harm and I've always been an advocate of the fact that let's not slip down the control hierarchy too easy let's start at the beginning as was always intended and eliminate whatever we can and I'm finding people very much at the moment in two camps but I suspect as time goes on and people become more aware and they've seen more and they've experienced more that those two camps will probably come closer together and then we can come together as a as as a discipline and have the best Influence possible,
0: Stuart. I know you're passionate about the whole technology. It's very much something that's in your your career and your, and in your day job. And I wonder how you feel about. Well, actually, I'm I'm not. Put, I want to put an answer, a question, an answer for you. But is, is technology something do you think is going to be uh, important for us in the next twelve months?
2: It's been important for us for the last twelve months and for quite a while, hasn't it? I think you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. If you if you were brutally honest, I think developments and changes in technology have probably saved more people's lives than anything else from a risk management perspective. And I think that if we embrace the technologies with the mindset of we want to harness these things to protect the workforce rather than to use it as a punitive tool to discipline them, then I think we're in a really positive space I think those large language learning models you know the chat GPTs and you know that's finer millions and millions and millions in record time it's like made YouTube look like somebody sneezed in terms of numbers of sign up so like the appetite's there and I think that's the interesting bit. That's the that's the change. AI has been around for like 30, 40 years. Yeah. Like that bit isn't yeah. necessarily new. It's actually the adaptation of it and bringing it to, to the fore. And I think it's really important that organisations like IOSH and others should be coming together to drive thought leadership and research into this to say, actually, how can we harness the developments of technology to drive Improvements in standards and safe working conditions and the health of the workforce at a global level. That's what we should Amazing. be doing yep. with the technology, and we shouldn't be frightened of it. The radio still exists, doesn't it? Despite TV, MTV, yeah, yeah, CD yep. players, mini discs. Many different yeah like, yeah <laughs> oh that's that's you know you oh, can yeah, age yeah. yourself that, quite quickly was... <laughs> <aren't> you? <laughs> yeah. some of this yeah. stuff sticks around and makes an impact and some of it yeah. disappears doesn't it but I think actually yeah. learning how to harness this stuff's really important but I think what I suspect we'll see over the next mm. 12 months is a, is a bit of a focus on on ethics within leadership and a bit of a focus on actually taking the voice of the workforce. I think that particularly in the UK, we've just had the kind of Mr. Bates versus the the post office Mm, TV drama. And all of a sudden, everybody's interested in whistleblowing. And I think those things are really important in terms of actually like, how do we harness the voice and rights of, of the workforce? And I think from an OSH perspective, I think we'll be looking at the fundamentals, like how do we go right back to basics? And like Lawrence has said, like, how do we elevate ourselves back up that hierarchy of controls to, to eliminate harm at, uh, at an earlier stage? I think those things will be really important. And then I think very loftily, I'd love to see a set of global principles for Osh that put a minimum a minimum age where you can enter the workforce and minimum standards of, of conditions for people within their working environments. It's lofty. But if you ask me what my one hope would be in 12 months time is that somehow we'd manage to get equity and the value of life. And I think oh. that that for me would be the most amazing thing to happen because actually every single person that is engaged with work somewhere in the world deserves not to die as a result of doing their job or to be irreversibly harmed or to have a condition that means that they can no longer contribute to, you know, society or to to have a full life. And I think that needs to happen on Every part of the planet where we undertake work.
0: Well said. Last question to you guys, and it is—you um, might sort of touch on this point again, Stuart—and it's a bit, bit of a far-reaching one. But Lawrence, I'll, I'll come back to you, and it's the same question I asked you 12 months ago. What are you? What's what's still motivating you to to get up and um, do what you do every morning?
1: It's quite simple for me. It's it's starting a day, hoping that you're going to make a difference, you're going to add value in some way, and that can just be anything from putting a smile on someone's face to finalizing a high impact OSH related output to be honest uh, you know my, my new role actually is yeah. a huge motivator because it's a, a great company with great people working in a really important but varied interest uh, a varied industry with lots of different interesting opportunities for me to help influence enhance but all, also learn for myself and that's a massive driver for me and always has been so um yeah I'm really looking forward to the to the to the next 12 months and seeing where things go are
0: you able to say when when's the day you started the day job have you, you able yes to say who it is or yeah yeah practice?
1: no i'm working for uh dstl which is the defense yeah. science and technology laboratory which is a really fascinating yeah planet. the yeah. talent is just incredible and to be an Osh professional within that environment is really really exciting so um yeah, yeah I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying that but i just i just cool. want to add value that that's it nice and simple Good stuff
0: Thanks, Lawrence, and we'll definitely keep in touch with that. Um see how you're getting on at the uh, the new role. It sounds fascinating. Um yeah. Stuart, yeah, same same lofty question to you if you don't if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, I think there's a few bits in there like you I think you get out of bed and on a personal level you hope that you're a bit better than you were the day before. You know, and that's kind of that continuous growth mindset and, and wanting to progress. And I think, you know, in terms of delivery in a day job, I'm gonna bring performance to my organization. And mm-hmm. I think through, through the IOSH role, you hope to make a difference and you hope to inspire others to, to come to join and and to do the same. And I think it's a, it's a lovely kind of mix of those things that when you wake up and you think, "Wow, it's a big day yeah. ahead of me, yeah. like they're, they're the things that ground you, you know? And I think what I would say is probably from an inspirational perspective, like anybody that stood up and said no to something anybody that's said that's not right and I'm going to fight for justice and anybody that's been on the unfortunate or horrific end of of, of an incident you know those people that lose their lives we, we owe it to them to continue to make a difference and I think that's the mix of things really Think in the safety world, you have to understand that safety is an outcome, and you have to get everybody aligned, driving Mm. and delivering that outcome. And sometimes some of those things aren't in your control, and actually, you can't do everything. And I think it's really important that we manage what we are able to do. But you see big incidents happen, tragic losses of lives, and you think actually, if we learn from those things, and those things don't reoccur, then we're doing something right. And if we don't learn from those things and they continue to reoccur, then we have to question the value of what we do.
0: Thanks, Jack. really good. Really good way uh, uh, to end, I think, to to wrap up. Unfortunately, I mean, we've got it's gone quick like the last 12 months over an hour, but it's been fascinating. <laughs> and I don't know about you two, but we probably could have chatted about loads of other stuff as well. So maybe we'll save that for 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 another time. Um, I'd like to thank you both. Uh, Lawrence, thanks so much for joining us again. It's good to see you.
1: Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh yeah not a dad joke in sight from my perspective so (laughs) there's another lesson I've learned
0: (laughs) (laughs) good stuff cheers Lawrence thanks again and uh likewise Stuart thanks thanks for coming on and uh, really appreciate all all your input we'll keep in touch obviously over the next next 12 months and obviously best of luck over over the next year or so
2: thank you very much really appreciate the time to have a chat
0: yeah that's that's sure you'll agree listen to that it's a really fascinating conversation and um really appreciate the, the two guys coming on there to chat about some really big topics that deserve podcasts within themselves i think so we'll uh we'll, we'll, we'll keep on that so just some um, little uh, admin bits before we wrap up so if you're new to the safety conversation podcast we've got an archive which I'll uh, put a link to on the, the show notes where you can see our archive of previous episodes. If you like what you hear, you can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from also we're available on the smart speaker marketing have told me to say so simply ask your smart speaker to play the safety conversation if you can rate us as well it'd be really great if you could and just comment on on your chosen platform as that helps us get us out to that wider audience stay tuned at shponline.co.uk for the latest health and safety news you can sign up to our e-newsletter there also thank you guys for listening and we will see you on the next episode take care